Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venus. We're back together, son. How are you? Hey, Bully, great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by Daniel Hutt. Daniel has done karaoke twice and went for Elton John's Your Song and Xavier Bowie's Space Oddity. To be more like Daniel, go to patreon.com and search for Joe Marler's show and grow the show. Grow the show if you know for Joe and Tom for everyone I'll spread the word Have you heard Joe Marler's show Joe Marler's show Hello And welcome to our show. I'm Joe Muller, and this is Tom Fordyce. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. (laughs) Oh, God, no. (laughs) I thought the more we did, the better we would get at, well, all of this. But it seems to me that we are getting worse. Week by week, we are fucking <laughs> shit. We are shitter than last week, and next week will be even shitter. If we could be getting worse, but as long as we're getting worse at a slightly slower rate than the wider world is getting worse, then we're getting better. That's a very interesting way of looking at it, Tom, actually. Joe, would you like an uplifting story? Oh, please. Well, this episode is about police dogs it's about the dogs of the police joe there's a lovely story about dexter now dexter is the met police's first ever welfare dog so dexter was being trained as a drug sniffing trainee good boy dexter dexter was deemed quote too sociable joe too sociable for that nasty business so what what have they done they've turned dexter into a welfare dog. So Dexter goes to hospitals, goes to police stations. He goes to see ill people. He goes to see kids. Dexter is a dog, Joe, who just makes people feel better. And what breed did you say he was? He's a black Labrador. Okay, I get that then. I was slightly worried that Dexter, the very big, aggressive German shepherd, is actually the one who's been turned into a welfare dog and he's going around to children's wards to cheer him up by actually scaring the fucking life out of him. Why are you so miserable? <laughs> Why am I not seeing some smiles in this place? Where, where do I go with that? Where do I go with that? Who to, the, the dog is definitely not talking like that. If it, if he's just German Shepherd. What are you talking yeah, about? The German Shepherd. Yeah, no, I got the location accent for it, but it would be a bit more gruff. It would be like, uh, yeah. "Oh, you descent." No, that's bad. Uh, oh, well, <laughs> I can't do German. Should we have a guest on? I think so. <laughs> 
Our guest today is a dog handler. So he handles dogs, presumably in the normal fashion, because he's a police dog handler and his name is Will. Hello, Will. How are you? Hello, Joe. I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Tom, would you fancy saying hello or do I have to nudge you every week to say, Tom, you can say hello, Nick? Hello, Will. Hello, Tom. There we go. Is it you that makes the dog look good or is it the dog that makes you look good? Uh, So my name goes down on all the paperwork and I have to sign everything. So it's my neck on the line. And I'd like to think I was the boss. But uh, if you ask any of um, my colleagues or anyone else, it's definitely the dog. The dog makes me look better. I'm the dope on the rope kind of thing. (laughs) Does your name go in the paperwork because the dog can't act? He hasn't got or he or she hasn't got an opposable thumb to hold a pen to then write it or yeah i think if she could write her own statements they'd be happy with that oh so it's a she what's her name what's her name mia mia m-i-a mia yeah how do you choose the names because in my head joe police dogs should be called things like rex i mean quite aggressive names so i'm, I'm pleased there's a mia you can name your police dog within sense and reason and appropriateness anything we get litters through from breed schemes in other police forces. I think they've just done a Disney-themed one. Yeah. You get all the trends come through. So we had, like, Greek mythology. You know, 10 years ago, you had all the Rex, Blade, all the kind of harder-sounding names. But, yeah, no, they can be anything. Joe, I'm going to give you an option here. You can either be uh, tracked, pursued, and ultimately chewed on the wrist by a police dog called Rex or by one called Elsa after the princess in Frozen. Well, I'd be a little bit worried about Will and his health. The fact that he hasn't been able to chase me down himself. Bear in mind that my BMI is probably through the roof um, <laughs> on the scores. Um, so he's just let off his dog. Is it Rex or Elsa? Probably a little bit more spite would come through Elsa, wouldn't it? You know, Rex would be do the damage and be all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Elsa's like a silent assassin and there'd be a little bit more spite to it. So maybe I'll take down Rex, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how how old is Mia? How old's Mia, Will? Mia is six. So she's quite far into her career now. So hopefully we'll get another when, good two when years When did you get her? I've only had Mia since May last year. So she was a rehandle from another handler. Is she your dog or does she belong to the police? So she's owned by the police. They own her, pay for her, and she is a resource, same as a police car or anything else. But I'm the only one that's licensed to handle her. So she comes home with me. She goes to work with me. Um, I exercise her on all her days off, feed her. So she's my full responsibility and everything, anything happens to her, it's on my head, but she's owned by the police. She lives in your house, does she? Outside. They live outdoors in a you know, run. Your dog lives outside? Yes. What sort of breed are we talking here? Uh, German Shepherd and Spaniel. What, well, what is she? Or is she a cross? She's a German Shepherd and I've also got a second dog, which is a Spaniel. Oh. He's a specialist dog, so he's for drugs, cash, and firearm searching. Fucking hell. What a gig that is. Fucking... Oh, my first reaction, actually, that I should have said was, you cruel bastard, leaving <laughs> your dogs outside. I get it quite often. Why do you leave your dogs outside? Because they're working dogs. They're hardy, they're bred for it, and also they can't... Obviously, a lot of the handlers have young kids and other pets, um, partners, and it's just a way of covering things, just in case anything was to happen because some of them aren't the friendliest, the German Shepherds. I'm really interested about that, because I've often had discussions, should I say, with my wife about our dogs. We've had, it's actually quite a sad day for me. I don't, I don't want to bring this up. I didn't want to bring it up, but I'm bringing it up. Um, Tom, I've got to get rid of one of my dogs today, or he's leaving us today, yeah. So goodbye oh, to him this morning. Oh, what's happened? 
So two of our dogs, we had three dogs. We had one called Bean, we had one called Rufio, and we had one called Cozy. And Bean is a cockapoo who doesn't know that he's called Bean because he's about as thick as they come um, and still doesn't respond to his name. Rufio was a gorgeous, he was my boy, he was my first Labrador. And Cozy was Daisy's uh, Labrador. And Cozy and Rufio died about 12, 18 months ago, anyway. And then during lockdown, we thought, oh, it'll be a great time to go out and get a puppy. So we got another puppy, Labrador, called Zeus. I know this is long-winded, but I have to give the context. And he was lovely, but I never really, you know, filled that that space in my heart of Rufio. For some ridiculous reason, we then got a English cocker, Spaniel working cocker oh, no. puppy. Yep, and um, he's now eight months old, and we've kind of realised that was a bad choice. Um, It's not good for him. He's got so much energy. Why did you say, oh, no, Will? Because I get it all the time with people who go and get shepherds or working cockers and stuff, and then you get this phone call. Um, They look really cute on YouTube and this and that, but they're kind (laughs) of running around the ceiling. You nasty (laughs) bastard putting me in that category. I haven't, I'm not, I wouldn't say we're in the category of, a dog is not for just for no, Christmas. You know, you haven't got out and got a COVID puppy. Well, actually, when you say it like that, we kind of have. Um, <laughs> but we've got a baby due in June. It's so much energy and we just can't give him what he needs, to be honest. What police force are you nearest to? Uh, Sussex. Do they have a police dog thing? Yeah, call them up and um, donate them. We call them gift dogs or gifties. You <sighs> don't get paid for it and they will end up being a working dog if they... Uh, pass the assessment no way yeah my current one is a gifty i got him oh. in august when i sadly lost my spaniel very suddenly and he came from a home where he'd nipped one of the kids who wouldn't stop pulling his tail and they didn't know what to do with him so he donated him to me and he passed the drugs cash and firearms course in six weeks a dog can be trained to sniff out cash drugs and explosives in six weeks that's not true that's not true that can't be true six weeks this is mental. I got given, I got a two and a half year window to complete a personal training uh, qualification three years ago. I still haven't, I've, I, I missed the window. Yeah. So, so how on earth is a dog doing six weeks to sniff out crack? You just need to find something you love as much as they do in regards to a tennis ball. And that would then make you pass your PT qualifications because their world is, is a tennis ball. <laughs> The most basic way of putting it is my dog's nose is amazing and he can identify all the different scents of all the drugs and the firearms and the cash. But fundamentally, he thinks he's searching for a tennis ball and that it smells of all of those different substances. So if, if he identifies one of the 30 smells, a tennis ball magically appears. What you've done there is given with one and taken with the other by saying that the dog is incredibly intelligent, but actually really, really thick. Yeah, in a nutshell, yeah. He or she is searching for a tennis ball. Would a criminal mastermind not be best locating their crack den or their stash of heroin close to a tennis club? For example, (laughs) the All England Club at Wimbledon or maybe Eastbourne? Yeah, I mean, I have searched many gardens 
of I did one where they were a cricket enthusiast and they were training with tennis balls and I think I stopped counting when the dog had found about 35 tennis balls um, <laughs> but you just got to weed them out once all the tennis balls are gone then we're looking for drugs but I've given it to you in the most rudimental form ever that you know they're very very intelligent but that's the simplest way of putting it so you said about their smell but how good can they smell like what's the difference between me smelling like I've got a massive nose people mock me for the size of my nose, particularly Danny Care, which is ironic because his nose is also massive. So I'd like to think I can smell pretty well, but what's the difference between me and Leo? To put it in context, your olfactory gland is obviously the gland that is connected to smell, sense of smell. A dog has around about 300 million olfactory receptors and we have 6 million. Their sense of smell is 40 times better than ours. 40 times better? Yeah. It's their primary sense. Would you be happy to accept a dog's sense of smell in all areas of your life? So it would be amazing, for example, if you were hungry and you needed to smell out where the nearest burger van was, but also it's operating at the same time in the front row of a rugby match. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I'm just picturing it. Now, some of the wafts of undercarriage you get in a game of rugby. 40 times stronger. Oh, (laughs) fucking hell. There's some that I... Honestly, there's some that I get up from a... I get up from a mall or a breakdown and I go, mate, oh, I do. <laughs> in fact, I remember one very vividly where I lifted someone in the line out. And so I'm, I'm bent down in front of them. So they're facing me. I've got a face full. And as I've lifted, I've like, it's like rubbed all up my face <laughs> as it's got, and then come down. And then we're in a mall and... <laughs> I've just got up from it. It's a freezing cold winter day and I've got up from it and the boys are going, oh, how did that mall go down? Uh, how did that mall like, end up on the floor or trying to debrief the technicalities of it? And I've just come over and go, someone's dick fucking stinks. <laughs> and they're just like, what sort of contribution is that to the thing, <laughs> to how we can make our mall better? I was like, I don't know, but it's someone needs to sort themselves out there. And... Uh, <laughs> Trying to smell that foot, it was bad. No, I don't want dog smell. I don't want dog smell. You think, oh, you want that sense of power, but then you don't. What about you, Tom? Because like, your undercarriage when we've met has actually been really quite pleasant and that you smell it's quite nice. floral. It's usually floral notes, yeah. Um, I'd like to be able to turn it on and off, of course, but if I just had to have it, is there a period where I get used to it or do I just, like, you click your fingers and the dog level of smell kicks in? Because I think that first day would be abhorrent. I've just struggled massively with that that first day, but I might bed down into it. Um, so, Will, talk to me. The best breeds, we've spoken about my working cocker that we're getting rid of, so presumably that's a good breed. You've got a German Shepherd, which is your stereotype go-to police dog because you're like, oh, they're angry, yeah, rah, 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 rah. What other ones are good? Are there any like under-the-radar ones that you wouldn't think of, like a Chihuahua or something? There's other dogs that bite harder but are lazy. There's other dogs that are quicker but aren't strong enough to fit enough so they tick all the boxes but we've looked at lots um i remember one of my friends bringing back a dog to bordeaux which i don't know if you know the breed but they literally look like giant mastiffs and he talked this dog up oh it's mustard it's brilliant it's a beast you know with oh this breeder he's he says it's going to be the best and so we said okay we'll set up a simple building search you know do a runoff wind the dog up run into a room see if the dog will just punch out into the corridor and search and this fat wrinkly thing <laughs> walked down the corridor and the instructor who was stood in the corner said all he saw was that one ear and an eye pop round the corner 
go back again. Dog did a U-turn and walked straight back to the handler, shaking. <laughs> so we've trialled lots of different dogs, but yeah, the, the German Shepherds are the ones that tick all the boxes, really, and, and the, the Mallies. What about, what about actual other police animals that have been used before? So there's dogs. They've used horses. Have they ever used cats? Not to my knowledge, no. Can't trust a cat, can you? Yeah, they're more associated with burglars, aren't they? And Bond villains. They call them yeah. cat burglars, don't they? And I used to think that was people that burgled cats, but it's not. It's people that dress up as cats to go burgling. What other sheep? No. Um, what about ferrets? Any need for a ferret to maybe, you know... Tight spaces under floorboards, maybe. What? Okay, what about this? Can you tell me where dogs first originated from? I don't mean the place. I mean, what did they originate from? I'd naturally go with wolves. Well, wild dogs. Tom, you going to go for one? Just to clarify, did you say wolves or did you change your answer to wild dogs? I'm torn between the two. I went naturally with wolves, but then I went over to... Wild dogs. Mm. Wild dogs sounds very feasible to me, Joe. Yep, okay, so what one are you going for? I'm going with wild dogs. The answer is a weasel. Weasel? Yeah, a weasel, the type of weasel from 16 million years ago. (laughs) Oh, we're going right back. Yeah, right back. They were the first canids, first of the canid family, which is all the wolves and the dogs and the like. And then they developed from weasels, apparently. So, wow. Will, who were the first police to use dogs? Uh, it was Belgium, I think. It was Ghent in Belgium in 1899. And the first in the UK was 1908. I think we first got them over here, police dogs. What are their jobs? What are their actual jobs? So I'll list them as quick as I can and I'll try not to sound police nausy. So the general purpose dogs, they're the shepherds. The easiest way of explaining it is they're for people. So everyone thinks about them biting and doing all the scary stuff. That's such a small, it's like 5% of what we do. So they do football matches, big public order things. If we turn up somewhere and someone is kicking off, it's obviously as, as a last option. And if someone gets bitten, they've had a lot of warnings and it's, it's a last resort. Um, firearms jobs. So if you go to a job and a taser wouldn't be effective and we didn't have enough justification to shoot them, the one in the middle is the dog. So you get dogged. Away from the bitey stuff, which I said is a really small amount, the stuff that all the handlers love doing in there and that's our primary role is their nose work. So we track drink drivers who run away from cars, anyone that's left somewhere that we know the rough last location. So elderly people, mental health, they've walked away from their home address or they've gone into woods. We'll also search. We'll search for missing people, vulnerable people. Because for me and Mia to clear a woods on a night, it, we might be out there for a couple of hours, but it would cost the police and it would be so much more in, resource intensive to put a line of 10 bobbies out like police officers to walk it so they'll literally give me a wooded area and say clear that and her sense of smell will be much better than them with torchlights well property search if anyone has handled something and discarded it in an area mia will search an area and locate anything foreign to that area wow we'll clear buildings so if someone was to break into your house and obviously you were outside um, and officers got there and they thought there's someone still inside we would search that house with mia And she's been trained that if she finds someone in the house and they stay perfectly still and don't move, she'll sit about six feet in front of them and bark until I join her. But she's trained that if they flinch, move or try and get out of a window, then she's allowed to bite them. (laughs) And where is she allowed to bite them? Because the classic, when you see it on films, they would go for the wrist. Yeah, they'll generally go on. But then if 
the arm isn't available, they'll take what they can get. My first ever bite no. with my first dog, the guy, <laughs> I don't know if you've been watching lots of police programs or anything, but he was running down the street with his arms over his head, like Why? an orangutan, just to keep his arms out of the way. And the dog looked back oh. at me and I've given him the command, no, you know, carry on, bite. And he's done him in the hamstring because he tried to go for the arm, <laughs> but the guy had his arms out of the way. So I think I'd rather be bitten on the arm than the hamstring. Yeah, so we've got the general purpose dogs do that. The Leo, the little one, he does, he's drug scashing weapons and he, that's all he does. He's a, he's a search dog. We've got a couple of other types of search dogs. We've got explosives. We've now... No, got... no, 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 no. You need to tell me how you're justifying the poor fucking dogs that have been lumbered with bomb sniffing. What if they go and find a bomb but it's a mine or something and they're like, yeah, I've found it. And then they've set it off and then bang, they're dead. So part of their training is that they won't, they're not allowed to interfere with a hide. Their nose will get close, but they'll never touch it. Oh, like, but how do you teach them to be able to go, you can sniff it, but you can't touch it. Markers, we use markers. So like clickers, but explosive, the handler works from distance. Do you not think though that they've been given the short straw in that one? Probably. They don't get to go and attack people, which is fun for them. You know, most dogs, be, yeah, we can go. Arr. Don't know why most dogs are pirates, but they go and have fun. And then the others are just sniffing around and be like, yeah, there you go. You've found us millions of pounds of drugs. And here's a little treat because here's your tennis ball because you thought that was thingy. So you're actually thick, but you're not. You're actually really clever. And then if you're that working cocker or you're just that, you just sat there and go, you're going to be the... The bomb sniffer and that dog's gone no fuck that i'm not doing it but they're still just doing it for a tennis ball or a click but surely a dog That's knows that you've said the word bomb we've now got digital media dogs pardon yeah <laughs> so any electrical <laughs> component parts so usbs sim cards what does a sim card smell like it's the process of it's the materials they're made from and is there anything that criminal mastermind might do i mean i mean even thinking about some of the ways that drugs get smuggled in the country or around the country like, what can a dog smell suit through? So let's say, for example, you're doing the entrance to a festival and someone in their backpack has got a bottle of shampoo and in the shampoo they've wrapped up. So the shampoo's smelly and it's all around it and they've got like five e-pills inside the shampoo, inside all their clothes, inside their backpack and they're walking past you and Mia. See, I shouldn't really say this, should I? Because I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot if I do this. Okay. Yeah, in theory, if something isn't giving <laughs> off any scent, so if something is completely sealed, there is, no, there is no air movement at all. There has to be some scent for the dog to smell it. That said, the stuff that we find, some people are ingenious with how they've... You can go online. Again, I'm not advocating this, but you go online and you can buy fake deodorant cans and fake things that are literally built to conceal. And we've we found those full of crack cocaine... My dogs found a hide that was under a carpet, under floorboards in a safe. One of my one of my colleagues had one where the dog was indicating on a plug socket sitting on a wall and we just wouldn't leave it alone. So he took the plug socket apart, nothing in the plug socket, but it just kept going back and back and it just would not leave. So they went up into the loft and the drugs were concealed in the ceiling above and the scent was going down the conduit, down the kind of no. trunking of the cables and it was sitting in the plug socket. So if there's any air movement or any scent coming off, the dogs can find it. You do get some ingenious ways that people try and cover it, but generally they don't succeed very well. We seem to come back to this quite a large amount on this show, Tom. 
Um, I think I know where you're going, Joe. Yeah. So are you suggesting that if I was wanting to go to a festival or abroad with my five E's, hypothetically, of course, that I'm better off getting a fake deodorant can and stuffing it in there with loads of perfume around it than I am keistering a condom full of my pills? You might and only might get that past the dog. But then the other problem is, is the other security measures they've got there, like body scanning, searching, you're still probably not going to get it through. So I would recommend not doing it at all. Then if they <laughs> catch me on a body cam, they're like, why have you got a deodorant can inside you, sir? I'll go, that's for pleasure, actually. They're probably still going to want to take it out and have a quick check, though, just in case. Well, I say, well, fucking let me look at your butthole then. Like, that's... <laughs> Like if you like, what do you, what do you do to get your rocks off? You know, and they're like, oh well, it's none of your business. Well, it's none of your business how I get my rocks off with my deodorant can. So, it, either you show me your butthole and I'll show you mine, <laughs> or we're not moving forward here. So just let me in Greece. I'm not talking from experience like this has happened to me or thingy. But so are you saying uh, that anybody that has any object keistered up their butthole should be allowed to pass through security in peace? <laughs> well, well yeah, yes and no. It depends on the suspicion of the object. Like, what's wrong with having a deodorant can up your ass? <laughs> like, there, there's, yeah, I know you haven't thought about it, but like, it's not like I've put a knife up my ass. And if if someone had scissors or a knife up their ass, I'd be going, look, sir, you can't board the plane with that because it's a a danger to you and your insides and. We don't know that you'll you won't remove it at some point and go and attack one of our staff members. Whereas a deodorant can, it's just a deodorant can. It's trying mm. to make my undercarriage smell better. It's less grim than some of the places I've had drugs located that people have hidden. Come and then tell us, tell us about some of the grim places you've found shit. Not literal. A lot of the times when we go in into houses, you people will hide play things in places where they think you'll be least likely to look or that you won't want to get involved, which is true for a lot of people. And that's how, you know, it's how you get misses. So we've had, ironically, why it had to be this drug, I don't know, but we had crack in a used sanitary towel, which wasn't pleasant, <laughs> but you're, it's not something you want to go sifting through, but that was a huge offence. So crack oh, in a sanitary God. towel. <sighs> They'll also do things as well where they think you're, because obviously you have to be very courteous as to where you're searching and conscious that these are people's houses. So if you don't find anything, you know, we have to make sure that we put everything back where we can. But we, I've had people hiding all their drugs in their baby's cot because yeah. they're going to think, oh, they're not going to put the dog in a cot because obviously of the hygiene and things like that. So, yeah, they're, they're clever with, with where they hide stuff. Can you take me and Joe inside a search for drugs? So I'll give you a scenario. I don't know if this sounds realistic, but let's say... You've been called to an estate and there's a block of flats and there's some cars parked and there's some houses. Mm -hmm. And you have reason to believe that there is a big stash of drugs hidden there somewhere. You would have Leo with you, I guess, in this occasion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how does it work? So generally, I'll be called to that scenario, or whether it's a car or flat or anything. And officers will have already, they'll either be doing a pre-plan warrant. So one that's been sworn out by the court or, like you say, it's a spontaneous stop and they've already found drugs on people. They've, so they've got the grounds they're already in. I make sure that they've, all the grounds they've got are legal and that I'm okay to search. And then they will hold the address. They'll clear out and hold the front. And then I will go through. First, you have to check the house for any food because he is, a, at the end of the day, he's a dog and he's a spaniel and he will have anything away. So make sure there's nothing in there that's going to hurt him. Pick up all the hypodermics and stuff that are probably kicking around. 
and then we'll just then we'll just work through room to room and he is tasked to search for all of the drugs that are currently on the street in circulation at the moment firearms component parts of firearms and cash including euros and we'll just work through and if he his indication is that he will freeze so he will stare and he'll get his nose as close to source as possible so if he displays that behavior i'll make sure he's not kind of having it on trying it on for his tennis ball um and he'll get his reward and then officers will come in seize what we've found and then we'll just push on until we're happy that the whole place is clear it's like a giant easter egg hunt every day <laughs> yeah easter brings back bad memories actually last Easter, i'm not sure i'm going to do easter this year last easter we did that exactly that we did a easter egg hunt around the garden loads of little bits and bobs and it, we're, we're pretty conscious with our children about what they eat bear in mind that the genes in them are likely to be strong of mine meaning that there's a high chance they're going to be overweight at some point in their life so we're trying to get on top of that early doors but though on that easter hunt day we went go for it kids just go wild it's fine you just fill your boots and they literally did and then maggie came round later that afternoon and she was like she's my middle one and she was like daddy i don't feel so well and i was like what's the matter she's like i don't know i just got a bad tummy i was like probably because you've eaten a kilo of chocolate but it's fine and i was like okay look we'll get, we'll take you up early for a bath and get into bed early come on and i picked her up because she's like oh can i have a carry i was like yeah i've picked her up and as i've picked her up i've obviously squeezed a bit too hard and she's just projectiled all over my face all over <laughs> my beard and all over my chest and because i was on the carpet i haven't put her down or thing i've just held it and then held all the sick in my arms um to stop it going on the carpet and just carried her upstairs i couldn't get the smell out for days oh <laughs> Mm, happy Easter, everyone. Before we do the ad break, time to shout out our official sponsors on Patreon. This episode is sponsored by DBB, Daniel Beers Baker. DBB's favourite crisps are salt and vinegar kettle chips. Our next sponsor, aha, Marcus Partridge. Marcus is a quantity surveyor and has been told off by his partner for sponsoring this show. Hello to Matt Griffiths, a man we know nothing about, but we're very keen to learn. Matt, send us a fact and this episode is sponsored by bob hope bob describes himself as a normal type of guy but to us he's the best type of guy thank you bob to be more like bob go to patreon.com forward slash joe marler show and grow the show Well, boys, France did not win the Six Nations. It was there for the taking, but let's face it, France will be back and the World Cup 2023 will be our time to shine. I agree, Benji. You're nearly back and the good news is we'll be with you all the way. We'll have the stories, the big-name guests and the scandal behind the scenes in French rugby as we build towards an epic tournament in France in the World Cup 2023. There you go. That's adopted Frenchman Johnny BT. Full-on Frenchman, Benjamin Kayser. And you can catch hey, us hey. on the French Rugby Podcast every Wednesday on all your usual podcast platforms. Au revoir. Écoutez et téléchargez ce super podcast. Merci. 
Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namon Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. How difficult is it searching for a human if you're missing, looking for a missing person? Talk us through like how that works. Okay, that's quite it's quite broad. Um, if we've got a st- <laughs> if we've got a start point and we're tracking them, then we're going from point A to point B. That gives us a much higher chance. But a lot of the time, it will be this person has Alzheimer's or they're elderly or they're they're suicidal. They've gone to commit suicide and they frequent these woods. That's where they go on dog walks. So we'll get a big, broad area to search. But we just kind of quarter it down and and search. And the dog is trained to identify human scent or something foreign to that that area. So we can clear it quite quickly. All the technology we've got in the police is amazing. And at one time, the heli will find someone and I won't. But when all the technologies fail and you turn up with this four-legged little fluffy thing that you feed and is just, you know, just a simple dog... And the heli's been up. We've had thermal imaging out. We've had officers looking for hours and you turn up and the dog goes straight to the source. And you go, yeah, I've got them. Is it really hard not to sound massively smug on the radio? At that you point? try not to sound like a smart ass, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely <laughs> massive resentment towards the police dog department. They're like, oh, those fucking dogs have found him again. Yeah. Um, how do you talk to them? Do you ever find yourself woofing? So from the point that you first decide you want to go on the dogs, you kind of, most people start going to training days and going out with the dog handlers and, you know, you're very proper and stiff and policey and, yeah, I've got to be hard. And you see all the dog handlers turn up and they're big old burly boys and you quickly learn that you have to swallow all your pride and that you are going to be rolling around on the floor and squeaking and making silly noises and (laughs) jumping around. It's quite funny when... One of the bites that I had, the lad, run, the lad running like an orangutan with his hand above his head. <laughs> so I've done all of my official police duty. The dogs chased him. We've got the guy, bitten him in the back of the hamstring. He's on the floor. Got hold of the dog, got hold of him, giving him aftercare, doing all the proper stuff I should do. And then once the other officers turn up, handcuff him, make sure he's okay, get him off to custody. I'm there, full police gear, on CCTV, in the middle of a street, dancing around with my voice 10 octaves higher, in front of this guy that's just been bitten. <laughs> he's a good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. Yeah, you're so amazing. Oh, man, he's a good girl. <laughs> rah, rah, rah. You want to be the scratch your tummy? Go on, roll over. Rah, 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 rah. She's just bitten someone. <laughs> she's, she's just faced someone that wants to run and fight and it's all adrenaline, adrenaline. But you've got to remember then you've got to mark and praise the behaviour she's just done. Because dogs can have got an extra sense to us, they can pick up on pheromones and hormones she will pick up how pleased i am how excited i am and you've got to make sure that you're praising that behavior that they've just done so you kind of lose your pride a lot of time you, you, you're professional <laughs> as hell and then it's just like it's all about the dog now <laughs> there's a good boy oh. same with the drugs dog they go and find something they're just you know some poor lad sitting in his living room and you're searching around and you've just gone and find found a million pounds worth of heroin and he knows he's going to prison for 15 years and you're there going oh he's such a good boy and he's rubbing his tummy and chucking him a tennis ball <laughs> you're, you're still talking about rubbing the dog's tummy are you yes yeah, oh not the guy yeah no. might make him feel slightly better though i'm not sure i'd still have a job if i rubbed his tummy and threw him a tennis ball <laughs> what's the weirdest thing that 
that you and your dogs have found, Will, when you've been looking for something else entirely? <laughs> so, so when obviously we're searching people's houses, we're very respectful and courteous and everything that comes out of drawers goes back in drawers and it's people's properties if anything ever gets damaged. But we're, we're searching people's houses it's where people live and everyone has very different things in their cupboards, you know, each to their own. <laughs> The dogs are trained not just on tennis balls. They, they're dogs. They like toys. Most toys are made from different things, from tennis ball to rubber to silicon or whatever else. So my dog, who sadly passed away, Buzz, he was a spaniel. He was a dog that Leo replaced. He took excitement for toys to a new level. If he could pick it up and run around with it in his mouth, that was it. So, But he was a very good dog, never interfered with anything else. So we're doing... We're doing one search and he dives into a cupboard his tail's going crazy and he's doing all the stuff that he would normally do that leads up to the point just before he finds something that freezes and suddenly bursts out of this cupboard now this this is a big warrant there's probably 10 15 police officers in this place the homeowners are being kept in a room downstairs <laughs> and buzz thinks his christmases have all come together because he has not found drugs in the cupboard he's found what he thinks are five or six tennis balls attached together by a piece of string. (laughs) (laughs) The house wasn't the nicest of houses, so it didn't have working, it didn't have any doors. So he's burst out of the bedroom and done a lap of honour around the house. I've got my balls, I've got my balls! Yeah, with this string of tennis balls (laughs) in his mouth. Um, But he, yeah, he's the only one that's done it to me, but a couple of times he went into a drawer as well and, and picked out what he thought was probably a large rubber Kong toy, but wasn't. And, and again, has done a, a lap of honour. It can be very confusing. Mm-hmm. It does remind me of a lot of the stuff that you find at Pets at Home or Pets Corner. Daisy would be happy that, wouldn't she? <laughs> Number one, Daisy, I bought you this. Number two, I got it at a quarter of the price because I got it from a pet shop. And I've also got the dog food, so you don't have to worry about going to get it. So, uh, Why have I got a note here that says, story about condom Labrador? I really hope my bosses don't listen to this one. We're on the outskirts of the city. Quick walk, industrial estate, on the lead. Collie goes first. I go second. I'm walking both the dogs together. So I've got a 45-kilo German Shepherd in one hand and this little nine-month-old Labrador puppy in the other. And Tilly, the little pup, suddenly... And I'm in full right gear, so I've not got the best mobility. She lunges into a bush. It's an industrial estate car park. And as she comes out of the bush, she... I think she's got a crisp packet or something hanging from her mouth. And she is, because I'm there and I lean down to her, she tries to swallow it as fast as she physically can. Now, I haven't got any gloves on at this point, but I just lean forward. And of course, my dog's welfare comes first. I don't want a dog with twisted guts or, you know, anything. So I just (laughs) grab what I think is a crisp packet in her mouth. She locks on and I pull. Now, most crisp packets don't stretch very far, but this crisp packet stretched. And it wasn't until I got it kind of level with my face that I thought, this is not a crisp packet. Oh, wow. This is something else. <laughs> and I then had a massive standoff of, if I let this go, she is going to swallow this and we're going to have to go to the vets. We're not going to be able to carry on working. <laughs> potentially I've got a big operation. I might lose my dog. If she lets it go, it's going to ping. At which point she decided it for me and she let it go. Oh, no. So, yeah, um, I ended up, Quite quickly getting across the car park to my van, dogs went into their kennels and it was made worse as a van full of officers came around the corner in their full riot van, about 12 of them. And I'm hands on the bonnet of my car leaning over it while my colleague (laughs) stands about six feet away with alcohol gel 
and is just spraying <laughs> me with alcohol gel while we're both gagging, <laughs> trying not to throw up. But yeah, I can't believe I just told that story. But they're dogs. They're so well trained. They're amazing, but they are dogs. And if there's something they want to pick up or eat or do, they do it. So, Will, as someone who spends most of their working time with dogs, what else can you tell us about dogs that we might not know? Dogs can continuously smell. So they can breathe in and out and continuously smell at the same time. How does that work? <laughs> you sure they're not just doing it really quickly? <laughs> So they've got small folds of skin within their nose that allows them to smell and breathe at the same time. And they can inhale up to 300 times in a minute. Wow. They can smell the passage of time. No. <laughs> Bollocks. Let me explain. Bollocks. That's a made no. up one. It, so it sounds very Star Trek. But what do I mean by that is, so when we're tracking someone, they can dictate direction. They can detect the tiny reductions in the concentration so if you as you put down and lift off they can smell as the smell is going from stronger to weaker so they can they can't smell the passage of time as in smells like yesterday but they can basically work out as a smell is dissipating they can get direction so that yeah wow. that's a bit mind-blowing have you heard of the cancer detection dogs oh yes i watched this thing on netflix the other day called a dog's journey and it was about a dog that dies but reincarnates. It's the same dog, Soul, but comes back to life as different dogs. And one of them, he comes back as Molly, the girl dog. Very confusing. He comes back to life as Molly, the girl dog, who ends up being able to smell cancer. And I went, kids, don't watch this because it's, it's obviously nonsense. I can't be having you watch stuff that's not true until I then looked into it and they can actually smell cancer. Tell me how. So dogs can pick up on pheromones that we emit. They're basically, they can, they can smell the changes in our hormones and the organic compounds released by us. So they can then pick up when those change in us because we have disease in us like cancer. Um, so they're basically picking up on the change in the organic matter in our body. So in 2006, they trained five dogs on this and then they tested them on breath samples from humans and on breast cancer patients, patients that had breast cancer, they're 88% accurate. And on lung cancer, what? because it was coming directly from the lungs, they were 99% accurate. On that is up unbelievable. It's the same with the fit detection dogs. In a nutshell, what they're doing is if you were epileptic, the dog, obviously, you can't stop the fit. But what the dog is, will do is they will detect that change that you're emitting, that change in your hormones. And every dog will be slightly different. It might be if Leo was trained in that and he started incessantly licking my hand, I'd know I had a five-minute window. So he licks my hands. That gives me five minutes to turn off the gas hob, put my kid in a cot, shut the windows, get on my bed, and then have a fit. So what the dog is doing is picking up on that change in the hormones and then indicating to the to the handler or the owner, you're going to have a fit. And through working with that dog for a certain amount of time, they'll know I've got 5, 10, 15 minutes before I have my fit and they can make everything safe. And, but yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the fact that they're picking up on the, the changes in our what our body's emitting. Dogs are the fucking best. So that might be the single most remarkable fact we've had on your podcast from start to, to the point we are now. That is so cool. I, lo I mean, I love dogs. I've always loved them. But I love them even more now. 
oh my, they just blow my mind. They're so good. I mean, it might explain why, you know, you get that, that dog that, you always get that one person that comes in the room and the dog's just like, something about you I don't like. Yeah. Might be picking up on what they're giving off. Their adrenaline. Someone's trying to play it really cool, but they might be fearful. The dog will pick up on, they're huge readers of body language as well. Dogs will read your body language way more than what's coming out of your mouth. So a simple one that you do with some people, and they're, oh yeah, my dog knows this command and that command. And, and you say, okay, show, you know, just a simple sit or something like that. They'll do it. And you'll go, okay, now take a few steps back or turn around and face the wall or stand against the wall. Keep your dog in the same position and get them to do it again. And some dogs truly know that vocal command and they'll do it. But it is quite funny to watch people. And they'll, get, they'll turn around, face the wall, sit. And the dog's just standing there like a lemon. And they're, well, I've had my dog for years, I always sit. What they don't realise is with the verbal command, they always uh, raise their eyebrows. Yes. Or they ever so slightly lift their chin. Or they lift a finger. Yeah, uh, they're putting the sound association with the movement. So when that sit noise comes out, they read body language a lot more than they... You've, met, you've done it for me because I've been literally struggling for this with Zeus, our black lab, who I go, sit, sit, sit. And he doesn't sit until I lift my finger and I, I say, sit, like that. And then he sits down and I go, I haven't put two and two together until what you've just said. Now, I'm an idiot, but now I know how to make them sit. Thank you so much, Will. Yeah. It's all consistency. <laughs> all the dog stuff is whatever they, the picture you paint for them at the start. And you can change it. You can change it. But it's 10 times easier to train a new behavior than correct a bad one. But whatever you do. So if you do one thing and Daisy did another, there's confusion. If, if you also, your sit, if your sit command was a finger and the word sit and everyone in the house did it, bang, they'll just do it every time. But it's when you, yeah, you start to gray that picture or you miss bits out. That's when there's confusion. You think, oh, my dog's crap or it doesn't do this. What you don't realize is like you say, you probably never realized you were putting the finger and the verbals together. So you, at the, at the very start, you described your dogs as being owned by the police, but you're responsible for them. Mm -hmm. And you spoke about mm -hmm. the last dog you lost was Buzz and replaced by yeah. Leo, was it? Leo? Leo, yeah. Is the connection the same as them being your dog? So when my dog, Rufio, died suddenly, he got a twisted stomach, rushed him to the vets, ended up hours worth of surgery and then... Was it torsion he got or bloat? Bloat. Torsion bloat. bloat. And yeah, um, horrible. And then he was gone, just just like that, vanished. And mate, I don't think I have wailed so hard, even <laughs> ever, at the loss of this dog. I always thought to myself, oh, "It's a fucking dog." Do you know what I mean? It's an animal. You just don't worry about it. Yeah, it's a bit sad, but you just get on with it. But the connection I had with Rufio was bringing him up as a puppy, teaching him everything he knew in terms of tricks and commands and all that lot. And the love that I showed him and the love he showed me and the, it was, it was a deep connection. I, I, and now even when I say it out loud, I'm talking about a fucking dog. Grow up, would you? But I'm not. I, it was It's real how I felt and how I feel about him. Do you get that same connection with your working dogs? Because like, what, what happened yeah. when Buzz died? Were you just like, well, I'm going to get another one because it's work? So although they are the police dogs and they're a resource and you're very aware of that in a professional sense, they, you refer to them as your dogs. They are my dog. I mean, I'm the only one licensed and allowed to walk Mia and Leo. So my other half, Carly, she's not allowed to walk them or anything. So if I'm out for the day or I've gone out for a couple of hours, I, whatever I'm doing, I cut short and I come home to exercise them. So they go out minimum of three times a day, every day on my days off. 
And then when I'm at work, they're with me 13 plus hours a day. And dog handlers work independently. We never crew up. So I work on my own all the time. So it's just me and the dogs. And generally, you're, you get in some pretty hairy situations with the dogs as well. And you rely on them in the early hours of the day or night to protect you. So you build such a strong bond, like a huge bond, because you train them so hard and their performance reflects on you as a police officer. But also, you know, you're there to look after them. They're there to look after you. So when you lose them, yeah, it's like it's, it's the same as, as losing a, a domestic pet or but you're so close. I mean, I spend more time with them than I spend with, with Carly, um, <laughs> just because of the nature of what I do. Do you blame it? <laughs> it's quite nice, actually. You're like, oh, it's work. Sorry. Oh, yeah, but you've already, you've already walked the dogs like three times. That yeah, they need another walk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't help do dinner tonight. Oh no, you'll have to sort yourself out tonight. I've got to go for another walk. It's yeah. fine. So the real, real answer is that you don't like people. You prefer dogs. Oh, no. Best crew part. I mean, I've had some great, uh, before I got onto the dogs when I was um, just doing normal policing duties, I had some great colleagues I worked with, but none of them are not the dogs. The dogs are better every time, every sense of the word. Tom, have you got any other questions? No, I haven't. I just, well, I'd like to say thanks for coming on the show. It's been absolutely fascinating. And I know you're a listener to the show as well, so it's a double thanks for me and Joe. Not only for coming on the show, but for listening at other times as well. Yes, what got me on? Literally, my commute to go and pick up a police dog vehicle is an hour. So I found the podcast and it gets me up and down to the police headquarters to go and get a van. So it's great. And to be on it, it's amazing. So thank you for having me. And hopefully I haven't sound too policey nausy. No, I've loved it. And hopefully uh, we'll cross paths in dog toy section of a pet's corner um, in Cambridge somewhere. That'll be good. <laughs> Ah, oh, Joe. Dogs, hounds. Do you love them? Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Who let the dogs out? Who? How much is that doggy in the window? <laughs> Joe, there's something else I want to talk about before we say goodbye. In fact, there's two things Joe I want to talk about. First of all, our bonus episode about the Finding Jack Charlton documentary is now available, Joe, on Patreon. So go and get involved in that if you want. We, Joe, massively enjoyed it, didn't we? I did. I did love that one. I loved finding out about Jack Charlton. He's now my third favourite footballer behind Robbie Earl and Mark Viduka. <laughs> I feel I want to explore those choices more. But in the meantime, while we're talking about Patreon, if you want to support the show, search for Joe Marler Show on Patreon. If you'd like another podcast to listen to, Joe, we'd like to recommend this time football book club it's a podcast that's less charles dickens and more paul dickoff less jane austen and more charlie <laughs> austen steve that's slightly better where are you going with this one less dostoevsky more paul koncheski that may be the worst of the three the premise show they read footballers books some of them good some of them bad and then they review them and it's out every monday all you have to do is search for football book club in your podcast app Lovely. Um, who have we got on our next episode, please? It's a sleep expert, an expert in sleep. <sighs> Joe, Joe, you've fallen asleep in your van. Joe, would, would you like me to carry you into the house or shall I, shall I just bring you a blanket and you can sleep here? No, I don't oh. want you carrying me anywhere if you're going to talk with that weird, creepy voice. 
Thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you join us again for next week. And if you want more, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Show, where you can pay for extra content and it'll cost you an arm and a leg, but it's very much worth it. That's a joke. It's a reasonable priced situation and I'd very much appreciate it if you shined up to it if you wanted, but I don't care if you do or don't. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.